0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business, Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to share the stories of those women who can tell a meaningful, moving, and compelling story. And let me tell you, today's guest happens to be a really good friend of mine. We just really connected. I don't know. It feels like it's been 10 years. It's probably (laughs) been 10 months, but she's amazing, and I cannot wait to introduce Rachel McBride to you guys. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thanks, Susan. I'm happy to be here you bet you bet why don't you tell us now you're gonna have to pretend that you're talking to people who've never met you before and not just talking to me um yeah i'm excited to share you with my world so tell us a little bit about yourself
1: yeah so i am a woman from the midwest i grew up in springfield illinois hopefully a lot of people have heard of springfield if not because of abraham lincoln because of barack obama wood, wood. Lived, that's right i lived <laughs> chicago for about eight years but then came back home I met my husband, who's also from Springfield, and we got married last year. We have a wonderful blended family. I'm really enjoying married life. And professionally, I've been in human resources for about 10 years now. Um, My focus is diversity work. I, you know, focus on diversity using data, trying to use the facts to tell a story and really take action. I have my own podcast called Freedom in Champagne that I started in 2019, all about storytelling and celebrating diversity just through life experiences. And uh, and I guess most of my free time other than that is spent volunteering in the community, serving on boards, which I really love to do. So um, you and I, we, we connected. I'm also, I'm a Leo, I'm outgoing, I'm extroverted, uh, and I'm, I'm a strong black woman, I guess I'll say too.
0: You are, you are. And folks, if you can't hear it in her voice, She's very passionate about everything she does. And I'm looking, you, you can't see her because this is an audio only podcast, but I'm looking at the beautiful pictures of her and her family and her new husband and best wishes, by the way. Um, I think that's remarkable. I love to hear people Thank say, you. I love being married. Um, you know, we hear so many jokes about marriage that are negative. I too love being married. I, I always joke that I'm actually the woman who likes her husband, right?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So it's so great to have you on the show. You're so much fun. You're super smart. I love your approach to DEI, Uh, compelling stories backed by data. That's what moves people, right? So we appeal to their thoughts and their beliefs, and then they change their behaviors because we've made a compelling case. So why don't you tell me a little bit? uh, Well, first of all, I know you and I know, you know, I'm proud of you for your professional accomplishments, but what would you say is your proudest professional accomplishment?
1: Yeah, you know, when I thought about this, I, you know, I I immediately, my brain went to, you know, some of the awards being named Springfield Business Journal, you know, 40 under 40, or doing some type of leadership class. But I'll tell you what, I think my proudest professional accomplishment was when I really made the decision to go back to school and do what I loved. And I originally went to school to be a teacher, I taught for three months in Chicago public schools. I cried every single day. Shout out to all the teachers that are doing great work because it was not for me, um, you know. And I think for me, being able to really step back and go, okay, what do you really want to do and really give it 100%? And I did. And I went back and got my master's in HR. And it's been a journey ever since. And I think when you do what you are really meant to do, the the success really will come easily because you just enjoy the work. And it has, it's been a fast journey. I started out as a recruiter, became a trainer. Next thing you know, I was an HR business partner. Uh, Then I became a diversity leader. Then I started my own company. Um, And and it's just been up, up, up. And I think that was a sign that it was the right choice.
0: You bet, you bet. And so this journey... That has been so remarkable for you is a gift to the rest of us because I'll tell you what you are so in your element. You are doing exactly what you were meant to do, and wow, you are so good at it! Look, I know, I know, because I'm out there, right? We do a lot of the same things. We collaborate, not compete. We can. That's right. Share this message in every language on earth because the message of equity and and equality as well is an important one. So, I am so proud to know you and call you friend, right? Yes. Let me ask you this. You inspire me every day and you make me laugh and you make me think, right? Yep. Who inspires you? Do you have a
1: mentor or a sponsor? Yeah, so I do have a mentor. I have two of them. Their names are John and Beth and they they really took me on early in my HR career and saw my ability to be a visionary and a strategist. Uh, and really leaned into that and said, like, we, we want to propel you and push you into this space even more. And they gave me an opportunity to do more projects. And at the time, they were my chief human resource officer and my VP of HR. Uh, and they just have been and continue to be, even though I don't work with them anymore, they continue to just be a sounding board. And they reach out to me for advice also. It's, it's very kind of a, a partnership. And so I think they've been a huge support. Uh, just in terms of their experience and being on the journey for so long, I would say in terms of inspiration, though, I usually get my inspiration from young people. Oh nice, I have a seventeen year old daughter and I ask her questions and her responses sometimes amaze me. And when I get on LinkedIn and see posts about the 12-year-old that's going to Harvard or just all these amazing accomplishments, I think that is what motivates me to keep going, right? These just young people that are doing great things and really pushing boundaries. I mean, these, Gen Z does not live in society norms. Um, I find it extremely powerful. I find it inspirational. And I really try to be like that as I move throughout my career.
0: That is such a great answer. And I'll tell you, for so many generations, we always say, oh, those young people, blah, blah, blah. But I think you're right about Gen Z. My son is 19. He is wise. He is not, I don't know. There's something different about Gen Z than millennials. It's it's not the same. And I, look to him, I respect him. I respect his opinion. I ask him questions. I know when I was growing up, my parents, I mean, they respected me, but they were like, you know, I don't really care what you think, you know, (laughs) but yeah, I think that's a great answer and how wonderful that you empower your daughter and other young people to step into their own. And isn't that what we need more of so that these young girls become empowered women later on? I often talk about um, how, you know, when you think about the mean girl factor, we are teaching our kids to own their story and, and our, our our daughters and sisters and such to step into their power and to be, you know, confident and, and squash imposter syndrome. But when they do, some mean girl or mean girls come along and say, Who do you think you are? And yeah. put them in their place. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's a mixed message we're sending these girls and, and young ladies. And I just I'm not okay with that. And and frankly, I'm the one that will stand up and say, you know what I'll say, but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which I can't say here. Yeah, but I think a lot of young girls have that courage to say, back off. I am who I am, and your approval is not necessary. Um, so this is wonderful that you empower them. You you show them respect, and you ensure they know that they are heard. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's really, really great. Well, that's a really great segue into my next question. Um, I being, you know, the CEO at Freeman Means Business, which, you know, the whole model about what I do for a living and a giving there is lifting other women in business and, and, you know, shining a light on them, amplifying their voices, creating a stage, a platform, a place for them to shine. What do you think we can do to support other women in business?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I really think we are getting into a lot of conversations about being intentional and I think we have to be, it's not about tokenism. It's not about, you know, just picking a woman. There are lots of women owned businesses that are very successful and the right choice and extremely qualified. And so I think it's about being intentional about how much money we're going to put into those businesses, how often we're going to support and repost and share Mm -hmm. I think that's key. You know, I think it's key too to think about minority women, we know the pay gap still exists, um, even less for women of color and to think about how can we be intentional about supporting those businesses. And I think it's about putting it on your radar. How often are you bringing up a woman owned business? How often are you recommending to a friend, if you work a nine to five and they're looking for a vendor, are you having a conversation about, did we find any vendors that are women owned? And so I think a lot of states, I know the state of Illinois is really big on women-owned businesses and encouraging state us to use those businesses. But I think we can do that for one another too. So I think it's about being intentional with where our dollars go. And that's that's the first step.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Um, I do think that
0: we're starting to go that way. Um, but because, and, and again, I'm not one of those women who just because I teach feminist theory doesn't mean I slam white males, but white males are still the power. And I think they just don't think that way. So the fact that you're, you know, overtly stating this message is a reminder that we need to think that way. We need to be intentional. I often ask uh, a white CEO, you know, do you have a succession plan in place? Uh, And who does, who comes to mind when you think about your successor? And it's usually a younger version of himself. And I'm like, can you picture a black woman taking your place? Try to imagine that. And what, how does that make you feel? What comes to mind? Now, oftentimes they're not comfortable speaking their feelings. Other times they will speak their feelings. And it's just something, you know we teach standpoint theory, like, you know, what does the world look like from your standpoint, where where you stand? And women and other minorities don't see the world the way the white man at the top sees the world. So it's important to get people to understand that that is not the other person's perspective. And you need to realize the world looks differently from someone else's point of view.
1: Well, and I love that you... uh, yeah, I love that you asked that question because I really think it's about like every major decision you would make in your business. You wouldn't just call up one company and say, great, come over, right? right. You you would go out and you do an RFP and you do these proposals. And, and for me, it's making sure that you go out and you make sure there's some women and minorities, you know, people of color, however you identify on your list. Right. And the process will play out. The best person will always play right. out. And so you don't have to be worried about, am I just picking someone because of this? Just go through the process. Just make sure they're in the pipeline. Just make sure they're part of the succession planning and the right person will play out. And you're right. A lot of times they don't even get to be put in the plan in consideration. And so that's- I think
0: that's changing. I do. But I think that it's been a long time coming. And I I will say that you talk about pipeline, which you know when I hear white men, like what happened at, at- a big, big, big national bank here in California. The CEO said, We just don't have, I, don't, I just don't have any people of color in the pipeline. I mean, it was a big deal. I think this person yeah. got very much um, frowned upon, let's just say. Um, I think that's someone who might be accustomed to the good old boy network, right? Whereas that's BS, the pipeline is loaded, or you should load your pipeline with talented candidates of all walks, all races, all colors, all religions, all whatever, you know, yeah. all and none at once. So, and where
1: are you going? Because I golfed for the first time when I was, what, 32 years old. So if you're looking for them on the golf course, like you're not going to find me. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Girl, I can't believe that's so funny. I can't believe it. So I have to tell you one funny
0: story. I I was working in financial services in the 90s yeah that's how business was done and i was put on a uh golf course at a big conference in arizona where they have some of uh, scottsdale where they have some of the nicest pro golf courses ever <laughs> and i was like well i don't even know what to do with this thing you know, like, <laughs> right oh so um the pressure was on i was the only female on the team and I can I mean I can drive that ball. Like who knows where it went? Like I had an arm on me, but then I couldn't put it to save my. Life. <laughs> so they literally had to ask me to skip a hole, you know, because people were waiting and I was like, Yes, it's just not my game, you know. No, me
1: you know? neither. Let's bowling. <laughs> yep. Let's go bowling, roller skating. I don't know. Right, me too. Anything else?
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm not thinking I'm doing business at the club, but whatever. Well, let me ask you this. What has been your biggest challenge or setback, you know, and how did you overcome it, if you're willing to share?
1: Yeah, you know, we we had talked a, a little bit about imposter syndrome, you know, before we had this call today. And I don't know that I realized that I was experiencing imposter syndrome, but I definitely was. And I definitely think a lot of it was tied to my race. Uh, I think as a black woman, there was just this you know, undertone of always having to be perfect, always having to do more. And it was something that was fed to me by you know, my grandparents and by my family members, you know, you always have to be better you can't just be the standard, you know, you, you have to have the longer resume and the, the more impressive record. And I think that really stuck with me. And I've, I really found myself a lot of times, even when I was going to start my business saying, I don't have the credentials to do this. I don't have a PhD. I don't have the money. I don't have all of these things to start my own LLC. Uh, and when I really went and got a professional coach, uh, it was life changing for me and it was a woman and it was a white woman that sat there and was like what the heck is going on in your head right now like put that crap to the side like yeah. let's talk about how like amazing you are and what you're going to do in the next 6 months and she is the reason that i launched corporate kin and i started helping small businesses and nonprofits and has really been some passion work for me, but it was because of that, her really helping me step over that, that I was able to move past it. So I have to give that credit to another woman. yeah, uh, who just really she pushed me. And you know, it was it was hard to admit that those loving things that my, you know, parents and grandparents were trying to tell me just didn't work for me later in life.
0: Well, I have to tell you, you're not alone in that. Um, I have those demons in my head about not yet having my PhD, right? Mm -hmm. And we go through the list of, I don't this, I don't that, I don't. What about the I do list, right? The I do this and I do that and I do. And and look, I'm now at the age and stage in my life where, you know, I'm bring it on. Go ahead. Try me right? But for so much of my life and career, especially since I was in such a competitive, you know, financial services and then legal, like always, you know, very high-end professional services atmospheres. It was competitive. It was very competitive. And there was no room for collaboration, which now DEI, you know, that's all about collaboration (laughs) and all about lifting others. Um, and, And sadly, you know, the black woman issue is real and i don't think one i don't think many people know about it but the reason they don't know about it is if you don't know about it it's because you chose not to you chose not to read the article or to listen to the podcast or to you don't want to know it's a head in the sand thing because look it is out there it is evident at every company i mean We talk about the lean in and McKinsey study that comes out every year. You know, the missing rung and women not making it up the ladder. What about women of color? And then specifically black women, it is wrong. It is not okay. Uh, So fill your pipeline with black women, fill your pipeline with people of color, fill your pipeline with people whose life experiences don't mirror or match yours. Let's get rid of affinity bias and stop this crap about oh, she just doesn't fit in here. Well, great. You know, we need some diversity in thought, <laughs> right. some diversity in everything. We need some, you know, belonging and fitting in are very different, right? We should yep. let people feel as if they belong, whether they fit in or not. You know what I'm saying? So, right. I
1: wouldn't want to work with a bunch of me's. <laughs> I know. Crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like, we don't need people that fit in and that are like us. Like, Right for
0: that That, yeah well i love you you're so amazing i i feel like you're the younger thinner perkier version of me oh my goodness the little leo woman here so uh i love when we connect every time we have a conversation i learn something new and i laugh a lot and uh, you're just so awesome i want to ask you um This is the point in the show where I have something new that I've been doing. It's called the wild card question. I guess I've been doing it for now, like six months. I need to quit saying it's new, Um, but it is called the wild card question. And I have a box of questions. 144 of them. So the audience who listens all the time knows that I don't know the question and you don't know the question. So I'm going to just pull a card out of the box and whatever comes out, I'm going to ask. Let's do it. Yep all right i knew you would be oh this is so funny because okay so i pulled this card just yesterday 144 cards i mixed them up this is a good question okay something you know today that you wish you could
1: tell your past self oh that's a good question something today that i wish i could tell my my past self You know, I think I would tell my past self to be kind and gentle with myself. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, I think as even as a young person, and I think a lot of our young people now um, are really being hard on themselves. And so just remembering to be kind and gentle with where you are today, trusting that that's where you're supposed to be, and just kind of taking it one moment, one experience, one day at a time. I think it took me a long time to learn that. So I think that's that's probably what I would tell myself.
0: You're so beautiful. You really are inside and out. I'll tell you, college kids are having a tough time always for generations, but now especially because of the shut in uh, due to COVID. And you know, I think at that age, you know, college age, you're you you are depressed some of the time, and COVID yeah. has made it worse. You can't connect. The sense of community is broken. Um, so for you to say that piece of advice to, to, you know, forgive and, and be gentle with yourself is really, you know, my son is one of those kids who's uber, uber conscientious. Like he wrote me yesterday to say, Oh my God, I didn't do as well in my midterm as I thought I would. And when he does that, I used to get really upset, not mad at him, but concerned for him because he yes. really does get depressed and upset and I'm like, I don't know whose kids you are, but you, I saw your grades, you got all A's and one B plus, and you're worried, like, get over it, like, get a real yeah. problem. I must have really protected you all your life if this is upsetting <laughs> you, you know, Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, babies aren't dying over that, son, you know, forgive yourself, don't be shame filled, you did the best you could, move on, take a deep breath.
1: Yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I loved having you on the show today. And I want people to reach out to you. You mentioned the name of your company. I want to give you an opportunity to mention it again and the website and
1: how they can reach you because you are damn good at what you do. <laughs> Thanks, Susan. So, yeah, they could go to Corporate Kin. So, just corporate k i n dot com. I work with small businesses, 2000 employees or less, and nonprofits. I also have my own podcast called Freedom and Champagne on all major platforms. And you can find me on social media at Rachel HR and it's Rachel R-A-Y-C-H-E-L-H-R. I love it. I love it.
0: Yay! <laughs> so great. Well, thank you for being here, Rachel HR. I love you to pieces. And now my audience loves you too. So have a good day, everybody. And thank you for listening. Bye-bye.